0: Hello and welcome to the Para Aqua podcast, the science podcast that shines a light on the newest and most interesting research being conducted in the fields of aquatic and marine ecology. My name is Joe Money, I'm a PhD student and the host of this podcast. Today I'm joined by Professor Michael Tunliffe, Professor of Marine Microbiology at the University of Plymouth and Senior Research Fellow at the Marine Biological Association. We'll be attempting to rectify the negative perceptions that parasites have among the general public, and more specifically discussing how microscopic parasites regulate and promote diversity in marine ecosystems. Hi Michael, how are you doing? Hello Joe, I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, not not too bad. Thanks for joining all the way from uh, my my home country of England. It's uh, <laughs> it's nice to uh, chat to a, a fellow uh, Brit again. Yeah, likewise. So you're coming from Plymouth today, right?
1: Yeah, so I I live and work in Plymouth in the southwest of the of the UK. So as, as, you, as you mentioned, I, I have a, a joint position between the university here um, where I'm a professor and then I lead a research group at the Marine Biological Association in Plymouth. So we're a group of uh, marine microbiologists studying a range of different marine life, um, mainly microbes. And one of the big groups of microbes that we're interested in are parasites. So parasites, particularly of of phytoplankton.
0: That's That's great. And it must be nice to have a sort of uh, a balance in your life of teaching and research and um, interaction with the the public, I guess
1: Yeah, it's, it's I, I don't interact with the public so much in in, in my role, but I I I have a, a almost a sort of 50 50 teaching and, and and research role. And what I really try to do is to integrate that as much as possible so I try and teach as much on the topics that I do research. I think it's, it's really helpful and it, it gives that sort of freshness to the teaching that we do here.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a, a really, really sweet situation. <laughs> well, you've already given us a little bit of information about you, but could you also give us a quick summary of your background, your education and, and research history?
1: Yeah, so, so I grew up in the, in the northwest of England um, in a place called Haydock, which is right, if you look on the map, it's sort of right in between Liverpool and Manchester. So I I grew up there all all through my childhood. Uh, I then went to the University of Liverpool to do my bachelor's degree uh, in environmental biology. I then finished my bachelor's degree at Liverpool and then went to the University of Manchester. So at the University of Manchester, I did an MSc and then I did my PhD uh, in microbiology. So my PhD in microbiology was actually on soil microbiology. So not aquatic, not marine, nothing like that at all. I worked on uh, how bacteria interact with soils and how they function in soils. And, and at that time in the in the early 2000s, um, you know, some of the molecular tools that we use were quite tricky to apply in soil systems. So I had this that bright idea that if I start to work on marine systems and aquatic systems, they would be simpler to work on. And so that's when I made the transition from soil microbiology to marine microbiology um, when I did a postdoc at the University of Warwick. So I was a postdoc at the University of Warwick um, for four years. And then I came to the MBA in 2010 uh, as an MBA research fellow. So that's that's what we call a group leader here. So I, I started my research group in 2010 and I've been here ever since.
0: Nice, that's, um, that's cool. It seems like you're uh, a son of two cities that are big rivals. You spent a bit of time in each. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great place to grow up because you're sort of in the middle. So it's okay, And you can access these cities um, easily if you if you want to, um, which is nice being a sort of an older teenager. But also um, great places, I think, to be a student, really, I mean, vibrant, excellent universities, but also great, great um, cultural places to be a student as well, which I I really enjoyed. It was a, a, a very happy time in my life.
0: That's great, yeah. And um, we actually share something. We both did our BSc in environmental biology. I did mine at the University of Nottingham, and uh, you did yours in Liverpool, right? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, so you've you've already given us a little bit of a hint as well by um, talking about the difficulties of applying these uh, techniques to soil, whereas compared to using so well the supposed simplicity of applying them to aquatic and marine species, but. What is it about marine microbiology or marine biology in general that drew your attention and encouraged you to dedicate your career in this field?
1: Yeah, so I think as a marine microbiologist, I continue to be just completely flabbergasted at how immensely important marine microbes are in marine systems. And soil people say the same and human people, say, um, human people, human biologists say the same thing. But in marine systems, basically microbes are the most abundant organisms in the marine environment, the most diverse organisms in the marine environment, and they perform this massive range of functions Um, that are interesting in themselves, but are are also critical for a functioning planet. Um, Biogeochemical cycles, for example. It's microbes driving most biogeochemical processes, and it's those biogeochemical processes that make that make. The planet habitable, you know, it's the reason why we can live here. Basically, is because these microbes functioning in in the marine environment. So, this vast diversity of microbes, phylogenetically, this vast diversity of function, functional biology, really interests me. And I guess if I really boil it down to what I'm interested in, is about mechanism. How do these things work? Um, How 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 does the system fit together? And um, I guess rather um annoyingly for me i guess i'm interested in everything or too many things so i'm interested in the biological mechanisms of how microbial cells work so what genes do they have what enzymes do they use how do they function biologically at a cellular level but i'm also interested in uh, ecological mechanisms so how do communities form What? why do which groups of organisms interact with each other and so That's a broad interest of mine. It's always been an interest of mine. I mean, that was, you know, my interest in soil microbiology. Who are the soil microbes and how do they function? What mechanisms do they have? And I still have that interest now. And particularly in the context of parasites, we're we're, uh, especially interested in ecological mechanisms. What are the mechanisms where parasites and hosts interact why do, why do they interact in the way that they do? Um, and what are the implications of those interactions? And that's part of our driving, um, well, it's one of our driving interests in this topic.
0: Um, Yep, so much of what you just said is is really relatable to me as a, a um, an ecologist as well. And I think particularly in the marine and aquatic systems, the fact that all of the organisms share the same medium, that they... From the smallest protist, from the smallest bacteria, all the way to the largest whale, they're all sharing the same exact medium, and and you can see the the sort of progression of the ec- ecological interactions because of that. Uh, in in a way that you, I don't think you quite get in a terrestrial environment. Um, and you're completely right. That just spawns so many different ecological systems, ecological functions. So yeah, I I completely understand what you're saying, and um, yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah, that's good. Yeah um so some of your research focuses on the important role of microscopic parasites in regulating marine ecosystems as you've just mentioned um but could you explain for the listeners how parasitism a word with generally negative connotations amongst the public can in fact be beneficial to the health of our oceans
1: yeah i mean i think um often humans when we especially when we hear words we we tend to our first way to understand the impact is to think of ourselves. It's a, it's a very common way to think about things, isn't it? So when we think of parasitism, uh, I, I think sometimes our first inclination is to think, well, how does parasitism affect us? And of course, parasitism, as we interpret it, is bad. We don't want to be affected by parasites. If we are affected by parasites, that's not good for us as individuals. And so... We take that mindset and we put that into the marine environment, and we we think it's the same, and that's true for many situations. I mean, there are lots of examples of parasitism in the in the marine environment that isn't great for for the for the organisms involved. Um, you know, lots of examples where parasites have deleterious effects on the hosts, and it and it's damaging. So I'm not saying that doesn't happen; it does happen, but. With marine systems, one perspective that we that we that we should try and have is the impact on individuals versus the impacts on populations. And that's where, particularly within the microbial world, we have to have that sort of dual perspective of often with microbial systems, the individuals don't matter so much it's the impact on population. And so, one of the areas that we've been particularly interested in is the role that parasites have on phytoplankton, a particular group of phytoplankton called diatoms. These are the the diatoms are photosynthetic um, algae, uh, very abundant in marine ecosystems. Really important for marine carbon cycling. Um, the current view is that uh, 20% of global primary production is driven by by marine diatoms. And that's global primary production. So that's everything that happens on the land, everything that happens in the sea. One fifth of that is is marine diatoms. So these are really important organisms. And we really want to try and understand how they are impacted by by parasites at the single individual level, but also at the population level. And so part of the work that we did and that I'm I'm focusing on today, um, a, a recent study that we published, shows that in some cases and in the example that we've discovered um, parasitism can actually have it has a negative effect on individuals but actually has a positive effect on population and that's the I guess for us the really exciting thing that we observed.
0: Yeah um, yeah I, I understand um, that it's difficult to sort of get out of this human centric individualistic mindset when you're talking about things as scary and sort of visceral as parasitism and uh yeah um it's still important as an ecologist to sort of take a broader view on things um and sometimes that's hard to sort of wrap your head around and hard to communicate to the general public but it sounds like you're doing a really good job in doing that so the work that we've just talked about today is based on lab cultures Is, is that right um How does lab-based research fit into the study of natural ecosystems when lab-based cultures are naturally so simplified?
1: Yeah, so um, the study in particular that we've we've been talking about is is where we, we went out into the marine environment, the local marine environment here in Plymouth. We observed a phytoplankton bloom. We could see infection taking place. We were then able to isolate infected individuals, bring them into the lab, culture them. So we, we maintain a laboratory culture of the host and the parasite. So the diatom is the host, and this is this group of parasites that we studied are called throuster And so we study them in a in a sort of binary system, the host and the parasite in a clean controlled system. But of course, that's in the laboratory. Um, and, that clean binary system that we have in the laboratory does not exist in nature. In nature, we have lots of different organisms interacting with each other in very spatially and temporally complex ways. But the two things have to fit together sort of scientifically. So one of the one of the benefits of having the system in the laboratory is that you can really absolutely see the impact of the parasite on the host. And so you can quantify the numbers, quantify the numbers of the parasites, quantify the numbers of the host, and quantify the impacts that it it has, and it has on individuals that I mentioned before. So individual diatoms are also populations of diatoms. But when we take that fundamental knowledge that we take in our laboratory system, in our culture-based system, that can then help us to interpret um, data that we get from the marine environment that's more complex. So one of the things that we are doing at the moment is trying to look at species distribution data in the marine systems so when when hosts go up when hosts go down when parasites go up when parasites go down and to try and use what we're learning from the lab to help us to understand that that um that cycling of host and parasites within the natural system so that's that's one of the things that w- we've been doing another way to look at it is um if we only looked in the natural system All we could ever really do is correlate. We could correlate hosts and potential parasites together. It would be very hard to definitively prove that um, a parasite was causing the infection or causing the demise of a population. So that combination of um, correlation in natural systems, but empirical experiments in the laboratory means together we can say something relatively definitive about the impact of parasites on hosts.
0: Yeah, and I think the uh, the the value of experimental manipulation and uh, good experimental design in the lab is uh, almost impossible to quantify. As you said, like the the, the things we can do with um, species in the lab, we just can't observe it in nature, and we we can't really drill down and understand the what's actually happening in the relationships that we see, unless we you know not just observe nature but also take it into the lab and un- understand it on a different level. Um, so, yeah, and that's actually a very similar situation as what um, I'm trying to do with my PhD, where we're using Daphnia and uh, Mechnikovia parasites. Um, and, yeah, um, and we're learning a lot because of our experimental designs, because of our manipulation, because of these empirical tests. So, yeah, I think it's hard to overestimate the um, importance of that.
1: But I think it's also important, just to reiterate, that we can't do only culture-based work because the, the the only culture-based work doesn't give us the environmental context that's critical.
0: Yeah, so, yep. And uh, uh, at least with our system, Daphnia is a famous model organism, uh, and model organisms are just specific organisms that are really uh, useful for scientists to apply theories um, from 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 one species basically across the board. So, for example, another. Um, model species you might have heard of are lab rats and um, drosophila and zebrafish these are all famous uh, um, model systems are you hoping to make the uh, the diatom Foster uh, stochitrid system into a model system or i
1: i wish that would be brilliant wouldn't it um yeah that that would we we have ambitions with our with our developing work so we're I, as many research scientists we're, we're always trying to get new funding so that we're in a process now of trying to get some new funding to work on the algal parasites and one of the things we want to do is take our uh, the the system that i've talked about mm-hmm. is a the that infects a diatom called catoceros and that's our system where the parasite has a positive impact on the host population we're also trying to develop other systems were the the different species of diatom with different species of parasite, but these are killers. The, these parasites just wipe out the diatom populations, and so then one of the things that we're keen to do, we're, we're again trying to get new funding to do this, is to make a comparative approach with these different systems. So, have a have a host parasite system that has a positive impact on the on the host population then have some host parasite systems that just wipe the population of the host out. And we want to try and develop those and um, see if we can um, establish those as model systems. One of the things that would be really great, and we're making relatively good progress with is with many of the model organisms, they have available um, sequenced annotated genomes. So all the organisms that you talked about, Drosophila and um, um, zebrafish and, um, the rat and maybe even daphnia as well. I don't know how I'll have a genome that's been sequenced and annotated, so so you can understand the biological mechanisms of, of these interactions. Um, many of the algal parasite systems that we work on, and I think virtually all of the community works on, um, there are very few with sequenced genomes. And so what we'd like to do is maybe see a, a near future when there are sequenced annotated genomes for these systems, so we can really get into the mechanisms of how they're interacting which genes are switched on which are in, which which are important which are not important so that that would be a real that would be that's an ambition i think i'd really like to see that happen
0: that's great yeah and you're completely right that having the genetic background is really important when you're trying to develop your own model system another uh, important uh, question is how practical is it to culture how practical is it to sample how practical is it to manipulate because i know that uh, you know that's a massive thing when it comes to you know worldwide model model species um how about uh, with your system yeah it's a
1: real challenge to keep um model um, parasite host systems together for obvious reasons because in many cases what happens is the parasite kills the host and so therefore you need to have a dual system where you're you're maintaining a healthy population of hosts and then an infected population of hosts. And, and balancing those two together is can be quite challenging. It requires a lot of person power. So, you know, people need to be coming in the lab and you know this, and I know we've talked about it with your Daphnia cultures, but if someone's got to be coming in the lab regularly to be maintaining these cultures. And then one of the things that we have found um, with some of these Daphn- um, diatom parasites is that host resistance can start to develop. So when you're maintaining cultures in laboratory for a very long time, the host can develop um, resistance mechanisms against the parasite. And so that can cause problems. But we are very lucky here in at the MBA in Plymouth because we have the sea literally. I mean, if I could turn this camera around and show you, I'm looking <laughs> out at the sea right now. Uh, so that, that means we can go out regularly we can collect samples we can bring them back to the lab within a few hours and we can process them so i think the, the, there's advantages to being close to these systems that you study uh, and we're quite lucky down here to have that
0: yeah a great location i'm i'm very jealous of you being so uh so nicely positioned so having read through some of your publications it seems to me and as you mentioned earlier, you have an interest in almost everything marine. Um, it seems to me that a lot of your research is very interdisciplinary in nature. Um, could you explain the benefits of this approach when it comes to research in marine ecology, or or even just research in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I it's interesting. I think that if I'm honest, the, I don't really set out for the work to be interdisciplinary. I, I, I actually don't have that in my mindset. It just tends to evolve in that in that way. Um, I, I think as I've, I've mentioned earlier, um, I think part of the my interest in understanding how marine microbes fit within marine ecosystems is understanding the functional roles that they have. Um, so part of our need to really understand the functional role of, of marine microbes is to collaborate with other people who know more about the impact. So one of the areas that we've, uh, one of the groups of people that we interact with a lot with our biogeochemists or, or people who are, understanding the chemical and the physical processes of the ocean uh, much more and I think really certainly contemporary marine science um, it's very hard to think of how anybody could do that just in, in isolation and I think really anything has to be connected to in some interdisciplinary way to, to other individuals um, so we've we've done that from a, trying to make sense of our data and trying to understand what we're doing more. Um, but also through through our collaborations, we've also been able to access different places. So obviously we're here in Plymouth. We do lots of work locally here in Plymouth. But we're really lucky through our networks of collaborators to actually get to either go ourselves or get samples collected from unusual places. So, um, for example, we're working on some, some samples that were collected on these very large Siberian rivers that that feed into the Arctic. Um, the Lena and the columnlima and those samples were collected. We didn't go there though they were collected by our collaborators who are biogeochemists working on these river systems. So it it makes us interdisciplinary makes us uh, or helps us to understand our work better, but also to access places and to see things in different ways, which is for me very interesting.
0: Yeah, and um actually this this question sort of links back to something you said earlier about how twenty percent of primary production is done by diatoms, right? Like when you're when a biological process is occurring th- that much in this ecosystem, it it's naturally going to affect things like the geology and the biochemistry and the biogeochemistry of the ocean, I guess. So I, I can understand why these systems in particular in marine uh, ecosystems are prone to being inter- interdisciplinary because they're so uh sort of crucial to the the function of so many uh processes all around the globe i imagine so uh, michael that's uh, i've really enjoyed what you've uh, the research you've been talking about today so the, the final question is is there any other upcoming projects or collaborations that you're excited about in the future in the near future that you can tell us about
1: yeah so i i slightly i mean just two examples i slightly mentioned them there before. So we've, um, for the last few years, we've been doing quite a lot of work in the Arctic region. Uh, I don't know if you know, but the Arctic is undergoing drastic change. It's one of the most, if not the most rapidly changing parts of our planet because of global climate change. We're seeing fundamental changes to Arctic ecosystems, reductions and loss in sea ice, just as an example. So we've been particularly interested in trying to understand uh, the ecology of the relationship between parasites and hosts in these different systems. So uh, I've got two two um, publications that I'm working on right now that hopefully we'll have um, submitted in the autumn. One of them is looking at um, diatom host parasites in these rivers, in these river systems in the Arctic. So um, the Colima the and the Lena, which are these big Siberian rivers. And we've been looking at how... Um, over time the population dynamics of hosts and parasites shifts and um, we've seen some interesting patterns there we've also were very lucky so some people from my group got to go on a cruise in the central arctic um, on the swedish icebreaker odin so they, wow. this is going through the ice um, in the central arctic and we sampled a range of different ice ecosystems and one of those ice ecosystems is the bottom of the sea ice so the bottom of the sea ice that interfaces with the with the sea. it's um, a rich habitat for sea ice diatoms. In fact, it's it's if you were to take some sea ice and turn it upside down, the bottom of the sea ice would be brown because it would be completely full of diatoms. And we've been particularly interested in the diatoms that are in that sea ice, but also the the parasites infecting those diatoms. So in in this case, these are fungal parasites called chytrids. Um, so there are two um, two very exciting pieces of work that I'm currently finishing the publications of and they should be out, oh, well, we will send them for peer review sometime soon.
0: That's really cool. And um, that sounds like some amazing field work. I know you, you didn't mention that you got to go on the, the icebreaker or go to the Siberian tundra, but it sounds amazing. It sounds like a, a really great experience.
1: Yeah, Joe. I, I should. I should com- make the confession now. Ironically, as a marine microbiologist, I get very seasick, and so I think <laughs> I would be. I'd be pretty useless on one of these things. So I. I sit in my office, and luckier people get to go to these amazing places, not me.
0: Wow, that's quite the confession. I hope uh, they don't hear about that at the Marine Biological Association. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's too late now. I'm here, so. Uh...
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Michael, um, I've really enjoyed listening to you talk about your research. And thank you so much for coming on. Um, It sounds like you've had an amazing career. It sounds like you're going to have an amazing career going forward. Uh, So, yeah, thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you, Joe. And it was a really um, nice opportunity to chat to you and, and to talk about our work.
0: The Para Aqua podcast was funded by COST, the European Cooperation in Science and Technology, and is a product of the Para Aqua Action Group. If you are interested in joining an action group, or just want to know more, please go to www.paraaqua-cost.eu or follow the link in the episode description. The podcast is produced by myself and Serena Rasconi, and the science communication coordinator is Anna Gavrilovich. Once again, thanks for listening, and see you next time on the Para Aqua podcast.